I'm Nick Mantis, sports anchor for iHeartMedia. You are listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Source Podcasters. I'm your co-host, Mr. Neil Spruce, and I'm joined by the talented Mr. Kobe Daron, a.k.a. Kobe. Kobe, how are you doing? Handsome. Handsome. I'm doing very good today. I look fantastic. I'm feeling good. I'm looking forward to this one. Does this mean some days you feel ugly? I do. There are days I don't feel 100%. Today, I feel like 105. 105? Okay. Okay. There we go. And someone who is um, always feeling 105, uh, 105% that is, it is Mr. Justin Williams, who is joining us from Upper Ontario. Somewhere on some lake somewhere, some cottage. Justin, how you doing? There you go. Oh, I'm living the dream. I'm at I'm in Perry Sound on uh what is this the lake is this I can't remember the name of this lake and I've been here like half my life. This is embarrassing. Wait, uh, maybe this one of the- it. <laughs> There we go. Now which which hockey- There we go. Uh that's a nice Beyonce lyric I've been drinking. Anyway, which hockey player is from Perry Sound? Again, remind me. Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr. I'm sure that's not the only one, but the most famous one, yes. Yeah, there's a museum based on him here. I mean, you might need that for your immigration testing. Interesting. Interesting. And our guest is quite interesting. He joins us from uh, a little bit further south of Ontario, Texas, actually, San Antonio. He is a sports anchor on iHeartMedia. He's not just a sports anchor, an award-winning sports anchor and reporter. And he's going to talk to us about Many happenings in sport and more. It is the one and only Nick Mantis. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing great. After, especially after that intro, I, I feel I feel pretty. I feel accepted. <laughs> I feel loved. Um, no, I'm I'm, I'm I'm been excited for this one and uh, excited to uh, meet meet new people and not just in the you know sports world, but also um, when it comes to the podcasting world as well. Seeing how this side of things has become so much more manageable and feasible and so easy to, to do being, you know, you guys, you know, uh, all, all the way up there uh, in the other side of the border, me, you know, next to another border down here. Um, so it's, it's awesome. And I'm, I'm excited to go. Indeed. Now, just before we get into that, I'm going to ask, do you have the nickname praying by any chance? Some people have called me that. Yeah, I got that a lot in high, in like middle school and stuff. In elementary school, I also got um, Nickelodeon. Um, you know, which I, I think of that you know two thousands and nineties generation who still actually watched Nickelodeon. Uh, <laughs> where that was that made sense, but um, but yeah, praying is definitely one. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen. Um, you might remember this line from Anchorman, uh, but when they're about to have one of their fights in one of the courtyards, I think it was. Um, one of the other anchors, his last name is Mantooth, 
And my last name, Mantis, is more of a traditional Greek last name. It's really Mandas when you pronounce it in Greek. And my lacrosse coach in high school was like, <laughs> Mantis, he goes, like Anchorman, like Mantooth? And I was like, I, I, I guess. And he goes, Dolores Mantooth was a saint. <laughs> I was just like, all right, we'll, we'll go with that. So we, we printed out these sweatshirts for, for our like warm-ups and stuff that season. And on mine, it says Mantooth. It doesn't say my last, it says Mantooth. Not my last name and jersey number, just, just Mantooth. I was like, nice. thank you, coach. I appreciate that. So, And it's very appropriate that you are now an anchor. So to that end, do share with our audience how a little bit about how you came to be where you are today as the award-winning sports anchor that you are. I appreciate that. So it's kind of a crazy story how it all came about. Um, grew up in uh, Brookline, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston, um, and then went out to the University of Arizona for my undergrad, where I studied to become a strength and conditioning coach. And I really loved that side of, of sports and teaching athletes how to lift weights and take care of their bodies and just all around just be conscious of themselves when it comes to preparing for whatever they needed to for the sport. And I, that took me out to the University of San Francisco, which had an internship program out there. And while I was taking my certification exam, um, I, there was a, a opportunity with the Pac-12 network that led into me working my way all the way through from grabbing people their lunches and, and grabbing people coffee to I worked my way up to being a replay operator and a sound tech in the, in the booth and, and doing a lot of stuff like that. And then I asked them, I'm like, how do I get from this side of the camera to the other side of the camera? And they were like, well, you need a journalism degree. And I was like, oh, okay, where, where do I do that? And people were like, you should, you know, go to Syracuse, Northwestern, you know, a bunch of, bunch of schools. And I ended up getting into in Northwestern and went there for a year and then, Bounced down to, to my first job right out of school, which was in Abilene, Texas, really small West Texas town. And from there, got my next job in Lansing, Michigan. I worked for a TV station out there um, where I covered Michigan and Michigan State. Michigan State. There you go. And uh, going to uh, Tom Izzo's basketball practices and stuff and, and talking to him about you know what we could or could not say about what he was yelling at guys about in practice, which was, which was always fun. And then... And I was there for three years and um, I was thinking about, you know, where, where I, my next path would be and where, where I wanted to be. And my girlfriend actually got a great job down here. She's a journalist as well. She works for the Texas Tribune. And I came down here at first just kind of looking around and seeing what I could find. And then when applying to a bunch of other TV opportunities, things weren't really kind of panning out and opportunities were kind of not really as as prominent as, as I thought they were going to be. And so I was looking for other opportunities. And that's when iHeart came around. And I said, hey, you know, you you got a deep voice and you love sports. We we need somebody to do sports updates on the weekends. And and that's what led me to, to working for them now. And they have a, a huge campus, if you will, here in, in the northern part of San Antonio. So it kind of worked out perfectly because I, I thought I was going to be like in my closet with like a bunch of blankets around me and just doing, you know, doing it that way. Um, and so I, it actually worked out that they have a, 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 a campus here so I can just go ahead and record here. And uh, so now I broadcast for iHeart Network doing sports updates for all of these central located cities in the United States from Chicago and Minneapolis all the way down to here in San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, all these places. So 
uh, in TV and local TV, I was only doing it for, for one market. And now I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to every single weekend. I'm, I'm broadcasting individual 25 second updates for 18 different markets uh, throughout the country. So it's, it's pretty awesome. That's awesome. We'll have to delve into that a little bit more and get your insights because there's, there's a lot of teams in those central Midwest oh, yeah. kind of area. Yeah. Yeah, that's an understatement. You've bounced around a fair bit, Nick. Yeah. What three teams are you most a fan of? Well, I, I, you know, my with my childhood being right outside of Austin, it's it's you know Pats, you know <laughs> Mid Red Sox. I'm sorry, oh. I know Patriots, uh, and then and then uh, the bad boy Bruins. You know, my, oh, my he's got a hat trick. I, I thought you vetted um, this guy. He's no, a hat trick. <laughs> yeah. Because you got to do some more swiping. You got to do some more swiping. Go all the way down oh, to the bottom. Man. I know. I'm sorry. I apologize. Because hates the Patriots. I can't stand the Red Sox, and Justin detests the Bruins. So wow, that's like oh, a, man, that's a unique hat trick, Nick. That is a first. No, thank you. Thank you. Wow. Well, I'm honored. Do you drink? I'm, do you drink? I do. I do. <laughs> Come on, look where he's from. Of course he drinks. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It was, it was so interesting. It wasn't Boston that taught me how to do that, though, uh, because when I graduated, when I was eight, you know, eighteen, right out of high school. I went to Arizona, and yet yeah, the University of Arizona. Because it's out in the middle of the desert. <laughs> desert, and yeah. It, you just kind of got to do. So I was there when you know times were, were were rolling and tough, and you know I'm I'm at a house party with Rob Gronkowski and Nick oh. Foles and stuff. I mean, like it was a. I was like, yo, no, this this is where there I'm going to learn. This is this is how I'm going to learn how to party and be with these guys. So, uh, so it was it was actually Arizona that taught me that that party life. Okay, and then what university team do you support? University of Arizona. Yeah, Sun Devils. Uh, Wild, Wildcats. Wildcats. Okay. Arizona Wildcats. State is our rival, who's in in the Tempe area. Um, ah, okay. And then, um, and then, but with my, I got my master's degree at Northwestern, and so I, I support the their Wildcats as well. And so I, I you know, big fan of, of both of them. And uh, it's kind of it was interesting how um, the that was kind of a weird thing because I'm only there for a year. So it's like I, I had fandom while I went to a football game. You know, I was there for a little bit of it. But our master's degree program was located in downtown Chicago, not in Evanston. So I, we weren't on campus every single day like like undergrads were. So it's a little bit of a different experience. Okay. And I imagine you've been to a fair amount of different stadiums. Mm-hmm. Best yes. fans. Best fans. Where are they? Ooh. Um, see, fans for different reasons. Best fans for different reasons. Best fans because they know how to fight is Fenway. Uh, best fans, <laughs> like I've seen grown women at a Yankees Red Sox game just swinging at each other, and I was like maybe twelve, and I'm like I've never seen guys fight like that, and I was like okay, this is this is insane. My mom like grabbed me, she's like we gotta go. It was like yeah, it was we. I'm pretty sure we were getting crushed too. It was before like the '04 type of teams and stuff like that. And yeah, we were just getting mauled, and then. So in that type of same in that type of situation, the Red Sox woman was going to let the Yankee woman have it for multiple reasons. I'd say for passion, probably West Texas high school football. Oh, okay. That is some of the most incredible, like just fandom when when you see Friday Night Lights, you know the movie and and the town shuts down and you know we're all at the game type of situation. It is exactly like that still to this day where 
it's not just, oh, we have a cheerleader. We have a cheerleader. We have a palm line. We have a band. We have a band instructor who has a, a microphone attached so he can speak to the band through speakers. Like, it is a, a an entire industry, if you will, that I think the rest of the, the community really puts a ton into. So the passion that comes through it, West Texas High School Football, Abilene, um, that that whole entire area, Sweetwater, Texas, that, that you know, even even some of the smaller schools, um, Hamlin and, and Albany, Texas, those are just it's it's incredible, absolutely incredible. So, yeah, I, I'd say as far as like crazy fans, probably probably what I what I've experienced, I'd say have to be like Arizona fans. Back in I want to say it was two thousand and eleven or twelve, we were about to beat Oregon for a chance to go to the Rose Bowl, and we as like a bunch of like fans and stuff like that. I, I was a strength coach on the staff. So I was on the sideline with the players and the fans started jumping over the side of the, uh, what do you call it? The barricades and stuff. The, the, the bleachers from the zone of zoo is this entire one. The entire East side of the stadium is all student section. The lower part is all student section. And so fans started coming over the barrier because they wanted to rush the field. Although we, we had to kick a field goal in order to win the game. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I want to say we missed it. Uh, I forget if it was this game or the Arizona State game. And the fans were going to rip him apart, the kicker. Like they were like literally hunting him down. Like I, I think he got out of town for a couple of days because people knew where he, where he lived, like his apartment. Like those, those are insane when it comes to, to fandom for, so that out of those categories, I'd say those are, Best for those reasons, if you will. Okay, that's that's fair. But before I pass you on to Justin, uh-huh. just got to ask in your opinion, is is the big three developmental markets for football in the States, is it still Texas, Florida, and Pennsylvania? Ooh, I'd throw California in there. California's a part of that now. Yeah, okay. definitely. Has, it, has that usurped one of those three or no? I think that's past Pennsylvania, Okay, in my opinion. I think there's still a great amount of football players in Pennsylvania and the Ohio area as well, which is outstanding. The Kelsey brothers are, are a testament to that. <laughs> but when it comes to the just raw talent of speed and skill of guys you're going to get from not just California, but Hawaii and Oregon, I mean, the West Coast is incredible when it comes to that. And I think a big part of that is because of the fact that here I am, a kid from Boston who only gets a certain amount of months outdoors, and you guys are, know this as well, yeah. that I can go out and run. And these kids get it all year round, 70 degrees and sunny. And they are running laps around people when it comes to when I played lacrosse at the University of Arizona. I, I, had, a, I had a freshman negative 15 because of how much I had to try to keep up with these kids when a runner, you know, because of how fast they were and how skilled they were. But so I would throw California over Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, if you will, in in there. Okay. All right. Yeah. So first off, uh, I'm really annoyed that you like Boston Bruins. I'm I mean, sorry. Brad Marchant is is absolutely and should have been suspended multiple times, but I'm fairly certain he's throwing a good hump to Gary Bettman. To not be, <laughs> I mean, when he punched What's-His-Face and the guy was on his knees and he was from behind, yeah. I was like, okay, for sure suspension. I thought that was accidental. Hmm. Oh, really? His arm just twitched? <laughs> yeah. like, That's a medical issue then, sir, get off the ice. Right. Even? Anyways. 
Anyways, most Boston. I'm one of those fans from from Boston who will level with you. Like I, I'll look at that and say, yeah, that that's suspension in that situation. So I'll be I'm reasonable if you will. Thank you. I appreciate that. One of my friends is not like the word oh. Marchant punched Crosby. He's like, I saw nothing wrong with that. And I was like, right. you're an idiot. That's why. That's why you saw nothing <laughs> wrong with it. Anyways, moving forward. What do you think of their draft picks this year? The Bruins? Yeah. I guess um, that's selfish to drive. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what, what is so interesting about that, as I kind of look through it real quick, um, <laughs> What what's what's going to be fascinating, I think, is is the state of which the the Bruins can move forward with with a couple of these guys. You know, I may not pick it until what was that the third round with Pelosi. I to be honest, I hadn't really looked over them too much. I I think it what what's fascinating about the state of the Bruins right now, especially what we saw the way the season ended, is. The, the feeling of like a, an old guard dying. Um, but mm-hmm. in, at the same time, you have a guy like Lucic who gets picked up. Um, you know, and, and so for me, as a, as a guy who was parading my, you know, Bruins jersey all around Tucson during that 2011 season, my feeling of, of seeing that still be, you know, part of that or just having Lucic back on the team is, is, is exciting for, for me personally to feel as if it's, it's still going to be uh, that type of quality. If these, these guys, and like we always do every draft, look at it and say, Oh, you know, this is going to be the, the next brand of, of that type of, of atmosphere that the Bruins had with, with those picks. And then and I'm ecstatic. However, I, I think that when it comes to the, the way in which we, we've, kind of seen development guys maybe not pan out most years it's it's kind of a, a, a wait and see type of process for me right now um and and i think for everybody and so it's it's kind of one of those deals where i'm i i, I wanted to throw everything i had across the room after that game seven um mm-hmm. and so it, like like a lot of i think boston fans did and so to be back into them you know, mentally for, for the draft picks, I, I apologize for not being brushed up on these guys, but then I'm just more in a, in a, in a, in a funk of, of feeling like, yes, we got Lucic back and we're excited about it. But, you know, I, I will say it was less. Most Boston fans will say it's a, what have you done for me lately type of atmosphere still to this day. Ask Nomar Garcia Parra how he feels about that too. Um, you know, it's, what have you, what have you done? What have you done for me lately? And, and I think Bruins fans right now are pissed still. And I think they have every right to be. And so, um, I think there wasn't necessarily a lot of excitement behind their picks. And I think there's not a lot of excitement behind the team right now besides Lucic. And so, so I, I'm, I'm hoping that these guys would be okay, but I don't really know too much about them yet. And so uh, I'll tell you in like a year or two. So <laughs> you're going to have to have, 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 have me back multiple times. A hundred percent. I mean, so far you're, you're not welcome back, but you could definitely change that. <laughs> Dang it. I, I knew I burned some bridges. <laughs> Um, but speaking of people wanting out, Jake DeBrusque apparently he wants out of Boston. If really? you see that happening, yeah, there's a on NHL trade talk. I was reading it yesterday, I believe. And I remember thinking, I was like, okay, but who's going to take him, and what are you going to get in return? Right. Like, what do you think? Like, where do you think you could see Jake going? Mm, I mean, maybe if I had to put him somewhere, I would say 
possibly Chicago. I mean, they could use a guy like that when it comes to not just his uh, his abilities as far as just kind of like a like the the, the thought of, the thought of him being in a Blackhawks jersey for me personally is is frustrating because I met my girlfriend in Chicago. She's a Blackhawks fan, and one Christmas she brought me she bought me Blackhawks cups. Um, to this day, I, I detest anytime she like pours me like a drink in them. I'm like, oh, this drink tastes tastes terrible. I wonder why. Um, I can see him possibly going to Chicago because I know that they've they've been looking for for more guys who can show a little bit more consistency like like the Bruce does. But I don't know what the Bruins would get in return for for somebody like that. Um, I'm hoping um, that he changes his mind because I, I I like the way he plays and and I'm a fan of his. But at the same time, if he if he feels it's time for him to go, then you know who, who am I to tell him to stay? Well, I mean, he would do well with Connor Bernard because he'd play he on the would. left and Bernard would be center. All right. So I can see that being a pairing. And, I mean, Chicago has the cap space for it, but I don't know if they'd really want – because then they'd be doing a real overhaul of their team. Right. Because who are they going to move down to the second line then? Do they have somebody to play the first line? I'm not too brushed up on Chicago, but – I I don't I do I'm right there with you when it comes to Chicago, but but I will say that I think that they they would be looking for somebody who would. That's crazy for me to call Debruska a veteran presence, um, just because of the <laughs> because of, of knowing when twenty eight made and stuff. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm in my thirties. I'm like, you're a veteran. Oh God, Jesus. Um, so it's one of those feelings of like, you know, okay, this. This would this would make sense if, if they're looking at it from that perspective of him pairing him with Bedard, but I, you know, I would that would be interesting to see. I would a hundred percent agree, and it's something selfishly I'd like to see because I was a fan of Bedard watching him play, and you know, Jacob yeah. Brusk has a really good presence. Like he's basically a, a point a night. When he's on the <laughs> ice, he's pretty much guaranteed to get a point, which right. sucks if you're facing him. But <laughs> right. if you want to see a player do well. Like, honestly, I think what the Leafs should do is give away Nylander to Chicago as well, have DeBrusque on the other line, and then have Bernard at the center and just have two guys feeding him, and then that'll solve Chicago's problems, 100%. All you need is one line. I feel like you've written about this somewhere. I feel like this was planned out already. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not at all. But if you go to prosportspodcasters.com and check out the new article I just wrote about this exact particular topic, uh, you'll see that I wrote about this exact good topic. Anyway, there we go. There we back. go. Got to plug it. There it is. <laughs> got to plug. Got to plug. <laughs> All right. Now, Justin mentioned Conor Bernard. Uh, this is the summer of uh, Marky first overall pick. So, <laughs> Nick, you're in San Antonio. Hmm. Has there been a parade already for Victor Wembanyama or, or not? The, this, this, they're thinking about renaming San Antonio um, Wembanyama at this point. Um, it has been absolutely insane the feeling that and and, and the the atmosphere um, when uh, they not only when they got you know the lottery obviously, but then when they actually made the pick as well. Um, there's this street in downtown San Antonio called Commerce Street and it, it'll run all the way out to the arena, the AT&T Center and people after championships and after big wins will go driving down it and honking their horns and it was as if they won another ring here in town. Like it was mind-boggling and the kid can't go anywhere. 
uh, he just gets mobbed. He's having dinner a couple blocks where I'm, I live downtown uh, in Southtown, San Antonio. And he was, you know, just, just there with, with, uh, it was that, that famous picture with him and Greg Popovich and all the, you know, former greats of, of San Antonio. And within 15 minutes, there was like hundreds of people outside. They had to like kind of like barricade it off to like let him get out into his sprinter van so he can like get out of there. Um, so they they try to do it incognito and try to like sneak him in, but the guy's seven five. I don't know how you could sneak seven five anywhere. <laughs> um, but it, it's been mind boggling, and and I actually wanted to be out uh, when the and out, just out and about in in the city. Um, so I went to one of my favorite dive bars and stuff in town and um, watched the, the the draft there. And the people of San Antonio are not just so excited, but also so incredibly friendly. I met a couple people, and they were like, "We're going to go over this other place." And I don't know these people from Adam, but they were like, "Let's just let's just roll and have a good time." And and was finally, you know, stumbling home by the end of the night, and I was just like, "I, I met some amazing people. They're so kind," you know, while I'm like, you know, having like two two tacos on the way home. So it's it's the the vibrance of the city is so electric now that. That Wemby is is here. That they had a um, a pre announcement, so he he was going to go to the AT and T Center to you know like every team does. They welcome their their drafts and they have a press conference and they do all that. Before they even did that, they had a event on the Riverwalk down by the river with people to like get to know them and stuff like that. And it was packed. And then and then they got another AT and T, and that's when you saw like videos of him missing a bunch of shots in his jersey. Um, which was which was funny to watch, but I mean this this guy is is not only incredibly talented, incredibly gifted, but incredibly disciplined as well, and that's going to be so exciting to watch this season. Absolutely, and uh, the Spurs, uh, the organization that they are, they've surrounded him with former players like uh, the Admiral and Tim Timmy Duncan. Sign up to SoRare, the ultimate fantasy sports NFT platform. Create teams with cards from your collection and earn points based on your players' real-life performances to compete in a variety of fantasy sports competitions. Yes, so rare is a game that you can play this season and the next and the next and the next. It's almost like a, a dynasty spin on fantasy. It's available in formats such as NBA, MLB, and also football, the world game. So what are you waiting for? Get involved. Get in the game. Get some cards and have some fun. All you have to do is sign up, create an account, and then you can start playing. And if you want to go a little bit harder and purchase some limited, rare, or unique cards, you can do that too. But at a base level, this is really just a free, fun way to play with your mates and show who's really in the know when it comes to sports. Because ProSource Podcasters, we know our thing. But so rare is a chance to go up against us and see who really is the smartest in the room. So hit the link in the show notes, and we'll see you on So Rare. Own your game. What are the expectations on the streets there? Is it is it get back to the playoffs? Is it is there a sense of patience that this is going to be a, a slow build? I mean, Pop has been given a, a new contract for five years, if I'm not mistaken. What right. are people expecting out in San Antonio right now? Well, I think people are people are uh, a little bit patient. I think it depends on the sports fan you talk to because if it's the average fan, you know, kind of tunes in for a couple games, they watch maybe a summer league highlight, and they're like, 
Wemby lost a game. Like, is he really that good? Is it that, like, can he even really, like, play? Like, I don't think he's even, like, and these are, like, grown men talking like that. And I'm like, dude, like, chill. Everybody breathe. Like, he, he just got here. He literally flies in, goes to New York, gets drafted, then comes to San Antonio the next day, flies in, experiences 100-degree heat for the first time in his life, and then, and then has to fly up to... uh to to Nike to pick out the design of his shoe. They want to do that. Then they send him to the summer league. Then he gets, you know, harassed by Britney Spears and has to deal with all that before he even plays a game. All of that happened before he even touched the ball and played. And then he goes out and plays, has a mediocre first game, then goes off for, I think it was 23 points and nine, but we did the double-double in a second game, and then they shut him down. They're like, okay, that's what we want to see, and it was good. And I I really do feel like people can be patient. Nowadays, it's it's less common to see people patient, but I think the expectations are, you know, at least a, a, a doubling their, their win, so a 40-win season, and, and with, you know, with the, the – the opportunity to see them do do more things and, and to be more exciting to watch. Um, if they make it to the playoffs, uh, I think that'll be exciting, not just because it's, you know, an incredible season, but I would also say that, you know, I'd be, be shocked to see if the if the West had that many losing teams that, that let the Spurs make it to the playoffs. So I, I would be surprised if they made it to the playoffs, but for my expectations, I think that might be a year two type of situation. And, and when it comes to Pops, contract as well as far as him being here as far as Tim Duncan working with him I think only good things can come from that and my interpretation of that contract and that that's probably pop doing three years I get those two years to just go drink some wine in his castle mm-hmm. because and letting that just be his retirement plan at this point that's that was just the severance package at 80 million dollars it's like let's make him the most the highest paid in the NBA and then you know give or take, do three, three or four of the five, and then go retire after that. There we go. Could you see Timmy Duncan or maybe even Becky Hammond coming in to succeed Pop? You know, what's so interesting about Becky's situation, going right into the league and then winning a championship, is I think from from my perspective, and I don't know her personally, so I can't speak on her behalf, but I would say I could see her staying in the WNBA as a statement of that league's importance of that league's growth and knowing that there are w, there are NBA opportunities for her i think that maybe if she stays that shows how much she's investing in the WNBA itself for her personally to stay but if you know I, i'm assuming timmy is not thinking head coaching positions and the guys Retired, but he's helping out just here and there and stepping in here and there. You, I don't think you're going to see him on the bench anytime soon as an assistant. Pop's tree of coaches is 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 an, 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 a very long-limbed oak at this point. So if somebody's going to step in, I think it would be one of the assistant coaches he has on the staff right now or bring in somebody in who's been a head coach, who's who's been an assistant of his before. So out of those two options, I would say – Maybe Becky, may, if she wants to, but I would maybe see her saying, like I was mentioning, but you know, bolster the the significance and the importance of of putting the WNBA first in her in her perspective. 
Fair enough. Yeah, that's that's a good take. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I think when it comes to the Wembenyana situation, it, it feels like there's no way the first season isn't anything but a disappointment to the mm. fans. It, it feels that way to me. I mean, if this was the NFL, you take, say, like someone like Trevor Lawrence would be like my closest example that's recent. It's not like you're expected to go in the NFL and suddenly start winning, right? You've, you've got yeah. a development point. Whereas with the NBA, I, I've seen teams transform over 48 hours of an offseason and become champions. Right. So I think the amount of buildup behind him, there's no way he can live up to that in his first season. But what would you see as a successful season for him personally in his first season? I, you know, I would say possibly, I mean, everybody's going to compare him to LeBron. Unfair comparison. Unfair comparison, absolutely. Um, unfair to to look at him as, as well as the fact that, you know, if, if you think about a uh, somebody who would have the ability to play overseas or, or play in a, almost like a, a position, if you will, of, of, of professional Europe, um, my my perspective is is if if you're thinking about him as like being a disappointment or not, I, I would say him moving this team forward towards that forty win season, like I was I was mentioning earlier, yeah. I think puts the gives people a little bit more excitement of what this what this can do. When they started hyping him up to saying even a, the biggest. Like I forget who it was said, like the biggest prospect ever of any sport. I'm like, oh, okay. Everybody needs to needs to chill out a little bit. I think they were just trying to blow it up even more because I think I forget who that that person worked for, what state, what what network. But I'm assuming that they had the the rights to the draft because they wanted more people to watch. So that might have been a money move by by making that statement. Yeah. But when it comes to uh, to what what would be acceptable, I would say. You know, as far as numbers are concerned, maybe I, I would I would expect him to average a double double because of because of his ability just to being that that big um, while also being able to move. Uh, the, some of the things they were doing it looked like the Arena Football League, where he was running around a screen and they were handing the ball off to him, and so he was moving before the play even was technically happening, like you would see wide receivers in the Arena League do. And it was fascinating to watch because I'm like, he should not be that big and move that fast. That's not, it's not fair. It's the stuff of, of space jam. That's, that's alien stuff. That's, that's the, you know, the, the, the monsters, this is guys insane. And so, but I, I would possibly see for him personally, I think, you know, a, a, a averaging a double double for me would be where I would see him doing it. Um, staying healthy, is one of the biggest things because of the fact that he just got a he, he he was able to bang and be bruised up during the the, the finals of the, the French league. I don't know if you guys saw he was posting some photos of, of him being bruised up um, mm-hmm. after one of the games. And when he got to the NBA summer league, he was quoted you know kind of saying it's it feels a little bit softer. And I it's, I think because it has gotten that way over here, and because he's going to. You have a little bit of a preferential treatment because who he is, he's they're not going to, you know, maybe they'll call call some more stuff. And so I think it's it's going to be fascinating to see how he transitions into the bigger the, the schedule of it. And for him personally, what's so interesting is seeing his he puts his importance 
on management of this style of play as well. When he was at that dinner with Tim Duncan and, and Manu and Pop, they, you know, as an 18, you know, 19 year old kid, you're thinking, what, what are they going to ask? You know, what questions would you ask these legends? If you guys were sitting there, you know, at that dinner, I'm assuming you're going to ask, you know, well, how hard did you guys party after you won, you know, those rings? You know, where, where do you guys go in Vegas for summer league and stuff? This guy wanted to know how do you take care of your body in between road games and get enough sleep? Like, these are the questions that he has because he wants to fully prepare himself. And before the draft, he was sitting down with J.J. Redick during that podcast. He asked, he talked to J.J. about he sees other guys could be stronger or faster or, you know, more of what the NBA has been used to. And they can have be physical gifts, but they aren't mentally strong. And that's an importance that he puts on for himself as well. So combination of staying healthy, being mentally tough, getting enough sleep, uh, you know, I, I – would not be shocked if, you know, he got gets injured this year. But if he can stay healthy, I would be extremely impressed as well. Awesome. Loving this, Nick, by the way. Loving this, man. I'm enjoying the, enjoying the conversation with you. Last question for me before I pass you on to Justin. Big picture now. Uh, mm. NFL, number one in the market. Okay. NBA is number two, but there's a significant gap. Do you think an acquisition, uh, I want to say blue chip, but it's beyond that, in a player like, Wembenyana closes the gap. It's something that the NFL needs to watch. Mm, um, possibly, because I, I think that, that that brings the the excitement of not just us here, but you see the NFL doing German games and yep. England games, and that feeling of getting everywhere, and Mexico games as well. And you see the amount of fans in Paris that are Spurs fans because they had Tony Parker before they even had. And they had Boris Diaw before they even had Wemby. Sure. And now they got Wemby on top of that. And this new generation of basketball fans, it's, it's global. It's, 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 you know, universal when it comes to the fandom for, for a guy like that. So I could see it, you know, possibly making, you know, NFL executives sweat a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's really interesting to see in places where they are selling out extremely fast for games like the like the Germany tickets are off you know secondhand or like going eight hundred dollars a pop. Yeah. Uh, the only the, the next expensive ticket this season is when uh, you know Tom Brady's going to be there for the first game to be honored um, in Foxborough. And that's that's a nine hundred dollar ticket. So. Uh, I could I could definitely see that them NBA creeping up a little bit. However, in Germany, like I was just mentioning, because it's an eight hundred dollar ticket, is because they have prof- they have professional or you know semi pro teams there playing American football, and so uh, the game is growing um, vastly throughout throughout the world in, in both leagues. Um, I see NBA. Basketball itself having a little bit more of the ability to do that a little bit quicker because you all you need is a ball, um, similar to soccer. Mm-hmm. With football, you need you know a ball and then you know somebody to throw it to. Basketball, you can just bounce it, you know, dribble it, just like soccer, just dribble it yourself. And so uh, I, I think there's abilities for for them to get there. However, the amount of money that the NFL has is insane. And I mean, just the it's it's. Insane. The the things that they want to do with with you know NFL arenas now and you know 
the fact that you know Vegas has that Death Star out there, and that they got a sphere as well. I mean, it's 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 wild. So I can see them getting closer, but it's going to take a lot more than just the United States to do that. Right on. Before we get you going, there's a few like little kind of silly questions we kind of want to ask that we usually sure. ask our people that are south of us. My friend, have you ever had a poutine before? I have not, but I have gotten close to having one, and I and I. I might have tried one. So the last three years being in Lansing, which I like to call mini mini Canada because of how cold yeah. that was. Um, it, and, and being, I actually went up to uh, Mackinac Island one time. I almost did it in the winter. And people were like, do you uh, want to be part of the shining? And I was like, <laughs> uh, no, okay, I'll go in the summer. But I'm pretty sure I had like, I, t- I tried it. I never had the full thing myself, but I've seen you know, when, when guys win the cup, they've, they've actually eaten poutine out, out of it before, which is fascinating. Okay. <laughs> um, so if you – do you know any, like, flavors of poutine? Like, are you at least familiar with that or – I do not. Know. No worries. No worries. So basically poutine is uh, fries, cheese, and gravy. Right. And that's, like, the standard. That's just if you go and ask for one, that's what you're going to get. But people like at, like putting different toppings on them. I like to put uh, pulled pork. Kobe likes to put uh, bacon and, like, I don't know, chives on his or something. I'm not sure what he does. And Nee likes to put uh, kangaroo, I think, or wombat or something on his. <laughs> but you, you can – you can always spice it up whatever you want. I'm going to have to confirm that. As a journalist, I need to confirm those details at some point. <laughs> Kangaroo and Wombat. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they call it the Aussie Down Under Special. There you go. Right <laughs> if you ever come to Canada, we'll have to let you try some poutine. Oh, um, yeah. Absolutely. Please do. And also, have you ever had, by chance, a beaver tail? I have. Yes. Oh. I love beaver tails. Yes. Oh, and you I, had I, a beaver so, tail, but not that, a poutine? That's a first. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. So I've had a beaver tail. So where I would go, my family would be in, in Boston and in Brookline, we had these like February, like week vacations just randomly. And we would go to Montreblanc to go skiing. Yeah. Um, and they had them there as well as they had these like, like almost like these whiskey barrels and they put um, like ice on top of it and they, they poured out the maple syrup and they put a popsicle stick down and they rolled the maple syrup up and you had like a little you know, maple syrup like uh, popsicle. And I would try to like have at least like five of those a day after being on the slopes all day. Like they were so good. So yeah, beaver tails and those those maple pops, maple syrup popsicles were, were my jam anytime we were in Montreal. You're like a half certified Canadian now. That's, yeah, uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to be nice to everybody. That's the only downside. All right, I'll work on that. I will work on that. <laughs> if, if two Canadians like reach for a door, there's a, a bit of a standoff to see who goes first. It could take up 15 minutes. Sometimes the police get involved. Man, that sounds. That's I got. I have to be there now. I have to try that. <laughs> a Canadian standoff. Yeah, you you put down the challenge. I'm gonna wear jeans and a jean jacket while I do so as well. <laughs> oh, <there> we go. <laughs> that, that is not a thing. That is not a thing. <laughs> I've been told differently down here in Texas. I don't know. There's no, there's no Canadian tuxedo. I don't know where that came from. That's not a thing. Maybe, that came, maybe that it's a came, Calgarian thing. Who knows? No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That came, yeah, that came from like Britney a- Spears and Justin Timberlake at one award show or something like that. I saw them dressed in full denim and. People had questions. But. Hey, it, <laughs> None of them are say, Canadian. 
Uh, <laughs> Victor Wembanyama, I, I, my, my heart goes out to him. He should not mm. have gone through what he went through in Vegas. So, mm-hmm. if Britney Spears is going to harass someone, I volunteer myself as a tribute. <laughs> ah, there it is. There you go. You, you volunteer as tribute and, and, and putting, you know, shooters got to shoot anytime you get an opportunity to. So, good for you. Now, one quick question. Why, how does San Antonio get all the, the good combat sports? Like, you guys had UFC in March and you, you seem to have the yeah. top boxing event. You had Canelo yeah. fight. You had an Errol Spence fight. What's going on there? It's a big fighting culture. I mean, we have the, the Alamo is here for a reason. People like to fight here. <laughs> I knew it, I knew it. It, it is here for a reason, and it is fascinating to see that the culture still stands to this day. You know, being being a Boston guy, I, you know, I learned my ways through the I say in air quotes the mean streets of Brookline, which is no, it's, it's one of the nicest areas in the area and in the Boston surrounding area, and so. What I, but you know, like if you bump into somebody, you say, oh, excuse me, my apologies and stuff. So we had this thing down here in San Antonio called Fiesta, which is a big party. It's, you know, it lasts about a, about a week and a half. And it's a big celebration of not just San Antonio culture, but Mexican culture. And, and there's a lot of colors and, and great food and great music and stuff. We're, we're going through this one little area. It's a tight area. And I bumped into a guy and he had was full head to toe, shaved head. Everything around him, his entire body was full of tattoos. And he just kind of looked at me and didn't say anything. And, you know, I'm six foot 230. Like, I'm throwing my weight around if I need to. But, like, you know, he just didn't, he was just quiet. And I, I, I said it again. I'm like, excuse me, I'm, I'm sorry. And he still didn't say anything. I grabbed my girlfriend's hand. I'm like, we're going this way. We're going a different way because. You know, this guy's got some, you know, different kinds of resembling of, of gang neck tattoos and stuff. And we're real close to the border and the Sinaloa cartels in the area. And I'm just like, I'm going to go somewhere else because these people, they'll, they'll throw down if they want to. Um, so, you know, it's it's almost like that still that Wild West type of culture. And they know where their fans are going to be. And they know that people, they, they, they want to see blood down here and they're going to give it to them. So I, I think it's just. They, they look at the numbers and they're like, why, how did we do so well in, in that city? It was just, the people want it. And one of the funniest stories that I ever covered as a sports journalist was how Abilene, Texas, really like small town in West Texas, had a semi-pro hockey team. They were called the, I think it was the Abilene Aviators. And I forget what, what level they played, but they were semi-pro. And they, they, they lasted for, I want to say, about a year and a half, and then they folded for financial reasons. But there were some interviews of people during those those days and when they had them. And one of the things that they loved was just like, I had no idea that you can fight <laughs> while playing hockey. This is amazing. I want to be here every night. I'm going to get season tickets. These, these guys are incredible. I mean, they are real. And on skates, too. How do you have foots on skates? How do you do that? And these people loved it. Like they fed off that violence. And this is the state where they play. They they will throw their bodies at each other in football for fun. And so I think it's just a mixture of the culture, the history, the the the, the want for aggression in this area. That you know, my time that that have been down here so already. I'm like I gotta protect myself because it's people want to they want to throw down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Open carry. Well, uh, what, what? Yes, we want to throw it down. 
<laughs> we'll throw down with you as long as you don't talk about Tom Brady or the Red no. Sox. But aside from no. that, we'll love to have you back on in the future. Um, Tom, uh, Nick, where can we find you on uh, social media? Well, you got the, definitely one of the places I'm, I'm at the most is uh, I, I try to put a lot of fun and cool videos on my Instagram, which is at Nick Mantis TV, N-I-C-K-M-A-N-T-A-S-T-V. Um, I also have a Twitter, which is at, and I realized this the other day, it's actually at Nick double underscore Mantis. I don't know why I went with the double underscore. I think everybody was doing one and I wanted to be cool. And so I did two. It's a weird time. Anyways. And then um, I also have a YouTube page, Nick Mantis TV. I need to update it, um, so my apologies if it's a little bare. But uh, but yeah, those those big are the big three where I'm at on on social media. Very good, very nice. good. Cool. Just gave you a follow. Awesome. Well, we appreciate your time. I mean, I follow you guys back, yeah. Nick. Nick, you don't count as a millennial, do you? Uh, I guess I kind of do. I was uh, I was born in '89, so I. I want to say I'm just you're borderline. You're borderline. borderline. Yeah, you're you're born the same year as my wife, actually. So. Okay, good year. Right good year. Great year. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of good stuff. I think the uh, I want to say the Soviet wall came down at that time. So you know, we we changed stuff. We you know, your wife and I we were born and the world changed. What can we say? All right. That's right. And it wasn't your fault. No, never. No, don't, don't bring that up. Don't say that. <laughs> oh, Justin. Jeez Louise. Yeah, what? What? I'm, what? Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasts experience, where no sport is left behind.